Well, hello, and welcome to this week's of Photographic Life. As regular listeners will know, we occasionally invite a sponsor to uh, supply us with some words of wisdom or something to think about, never financial. And this week, in this slightly irregular kind of a way of sponsoring a podcast, we invite uh, the Billy Childish-initiated Stuckist movement. If you're not aware of the Stuckists, why not check them out? The Stuckists, as a group, are not wedded to some formulaic and often stultifying notion of what a painting should look like, as in past movements. For them, the unifying element is not visual. It is their overriding and enduring search for emotional veracity and their concern with the authenticity and honesty of the creative impetus. That's something that the Stuckists have said. So this week, um, I wanted to talk about, I suppose, something to do with space. Not the final frontier, but that idea of giving people space. That idea of allowing people space to actually create work and to make mistakes. Many years ago, when I was commissioning photography on a regular basis, I would often... Uh, employ the the logic i suppose of the great uh, alexi brodovich somebody i've spoken about before on the podcast and written about on the united nations of photography website and brodovich would use just two words surprise me and that's what he would send photographers away with as a commissioning uh i suppose um instruction um no pin interests, no pages and pages of briefs, no desire to over control and to sort of micromanage the creative. The idea he had was basically to have faith in himself, that he had chosen the right person for the job, the right person for the commission. And therefore, because he had changed, oh, sorry, uh, chosen the right person therefore he would allow that person to do what they do and to do it the way in which they felt was the appropriate way for it to be done i know myself that that can be a risky um way of working and quite often it can challenge the commissioner as much as it can challenge the person who's being given the commission because when the work comes back you've really got to make a decision did the person who went to create that work the photographer did they actually respond to the commission that was being asked of them or did they ignore it and then you have to work out well is the work of some worth and then of course the next step is do you stand up for it? Do you fight for it? Do you support and defend the photographer? Or do you turn on the photographer and blame the photographer for not having done what you wanted them to be? Or what you wanted them to do, I should say. But perhaps the two things actually be and do, maybe that's, they're, they're pretty much kind of aligned. Anyway, the person who feels the need to overmanage, to micromanage, I think is just displaying their own lack of confidence and their own insecurities. And I'm sure many of you will recognise what I'm saying uh, in, from clients and from a client perspective. When as a photographer, somebody is trying to control everything you want to do, 
to a point at which they prevent you from being who you are and actually prevent you from creating your very best work. So I suppose really what we're talking about here is trying to identify the client that's going to give you space, but also to ensure that when you are given that space, that you know how to respond to it. It's quite complicated, isn't it? It comes back to that whole thing with photography that there is no two plus two makes four. I always say two plus two in photography. Well, that can add up to whatever you want it to be. But that idea of if you're listening to this podcast and you're in a position to commission photography, why not take on board that Alexei Brodovich approach? Why not sort of demonstrate your own confidence and your own security? And just say to somebody, surprise me. Talking about being surprised, I went to uh, see an exhibition, well, three exhibitions actually, down at the National Museum of Cardiff last week. Um, an exhibition of August Sanders' work, of the Beckers, and also of Martin Parr. And I don't really want to get into any great detail at this point about the work itself. But what it did occur to me um, when I was walking around this was kind of how photographic exhibitions and how photographic work is displayed has changed quite considerably. And I think that the influence behind that is twofold. I think there's a financial uh, kind of implication. Um, there's also an implication around the digital print. And there's also an implication around the space in which the work is being exhibited. I've spoken previously about how exhibitions now seem to be being held in a variety of different places. That idea that a photographic exhibition has to occur in a white-walled gallery space, the white cube, that's no longer the case. And certainly, I'm sure you're all aware of photographic exhibitions being held outside, at railway stations, in different kinds of buildings, in closed-down shops, in industrial spaces. And what seems to be the case is with the the ubiquity of the digital print and the ability to get quite large-scale digital prints at a cheap price, more and more people are sort of thinking, well, actually, I don't need to frame this in glass. I don't need to put this in a wooden or a metal frame anymore. I don't need to engage with that expense. Um, those kinds of framing options are expensive, but they are also heavy. They're difficult to transport. They're fragile. And they make a call on the exhibition space for drilling holes in walls to hang them and so on and so forth. Whereas the digital print, um, increasingly, I've been, I'm seeing, uh, are being pinned to the wall. Or as I think was the case at the Martin Parr exhibition uh, I saw the other week, I think perhaps it was magnetic paint on the walls and magnets were being used to hold the prints against the wall rather than the pin. So the, the print wasn't destroyed and wasn't too pulled out of shape. The success of that, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I think it really is down to the subject matter of the prints. And I've written an article about this in more detail on the uh, United Nations of Photography website. You can find it there. And I talk about the fact that the Sander exhibition was um, traditionally framed. The Becker, again, was traditionally framed, but in a slightly different way, which had an, an impact on the engagement that the person looking at the work had. 
which was different to the the sander. The sander drew you in, whereas I felt that the Beckers sort of pushed you away and pushed you back. And the Martin Pars, as I say, were large-scale digital prints um, pinned to the wall. So if you are going to see exhibitions at the moment, maybe just kind of bear that in mind, have a little think about it. And if you're thinking of exhibiting your own work, have a have a think about not only how you want the work to be seen but perhaps more importantly how you actually want the viewers your audience the people who come to see your work how do you want them to engage with the work and also how do you want them to perceive the work and yourself as a photographer this week i'm pleased to welcome to the uh, what does photography mean to you strand a photographer Sebastian Meyer. Uh, Sebastian's an award-winning photographer and filmmaker and a recipient of multiple grants from the Pulitzer Centre on Crisis Reporting. His editorial photographs have been published in Time, Fortune, The Sunday Times magazine, The FT magazine, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post and The New York Times, among many others. And he's made films for National Geographic, PBS NewsHour, Channel 4 News, CNN, VOA and HBO. He produces still and video content for NGOs and charities such as UNICEF, uh, WHO, UNFPA and Mercy Corps. In 2009, uh, Mayer co-founded Metrography, the first Iraqi photo agency. His first book, Under Every Yard of Sky, was published by Red Hook Editions in 2019. Because of the changes in photography, and the changes in myself, Photog- my relationship to photography and what photography means to me has changed uh, and has meant different things at, at different times in my life. When I started, photography was a way for me to see the world. I never went anywhere without my camera and I was really influenced by the classic old school street photographers and I was caught up in that vagabond romanticism. Um, I wanted also to create those beautifully composed, layered, uh, black and white images. Um, I started my career at the Manchester Evening News uh, in the north of England, um, which was classic British tabloid local journalism and was great and was a great learning curve for me, steep learning curve. Um, three, four, five, six jobs a day, sometimes driving around a city that I didn't initially know very well with an A to Z on my lap. There was, I didn't have sat nav back then. Um, and you can tell by my accent that I'm not from there. I'm from New York. And so I had to learn to drive on the other side of the road. I had to, uh, move very quickly. I hadn't done that speed of photography before. So it was really good to learn how to, how to move quickly and to get the necessary images on a deadline. But it was far from what I uh, was, had, had fallen in love with, as I said, with that classic old Magnum style photography. Um, so on my days off, I would roam around the city, mainly on, you know, along the canals with, I had a Leica M6 and uh, just rolls of tracks stuffed in my pocket. Uh, I wanted to do good journalism. Like that was, that's what I wanted to do, but I would be lying if I said I also didn't want an adventure 
Um, and my camera was a way, was a way to do that. It allowed me to scratch that, that curiosity itch and to, to get out and do and have those adventures that I wanted to have. Um, and then I started, well, I didn't realize at first, but I, looking back, I see now that my ego began to, to creep in. Um, it started to become about me being the one to tell the story. It was me to take the pictures. It was my pictures. I was literally framing up three-dimensional people into two-dimensional characters inside of a frame. Um, and that is something that stuck with me for, for a while. Not the realization of that, but the actual doing of that. Then in 2008, I got a long assignment to go to the Kurdish region of Iraq to create portraits of the survivors of Anfal, which was the Saddam's genocide against the Kurds in the 1980s. Uh, when I was in Iraq, I met an Iraqi photojournalist named Kamran Najim, um, and I realized that all the photos of Iraq I'd seen up until that point were taken by non-Iraqi photographers. So the two of us set up a photo agency that was uh, who all we did and what we felt was very important was to train up Iraqi photojournalists and then represent them to the international press. And we worked on it for many, many years. And uh, we did very well at it. Our photographers started appearing, our, the photos of our photographers began appearing in National Geographic, in Time Magazine, Der Spiegel, in tons of places like that. Um, and I realized that photography had changed. Uh, it wasn't just about me and my worldview. Uh, it was about seeing the world through many perspectives, uh, through Iraqi perspectives, Iranian perspectives, uh, Mexican perspectives, Saudi Arabian perspectives. Uh, it was no longer this European American uh, gaze that I'd become so accustomed to. Um, the other thing as well, which, which is very important is the technology began to change. Photography itself was changing. We were shooting digitally, which, uh, became easier and easier and easier for photographers to learn, to then take the pictures cause, uh, just money alone became less of an issue. And then obviously as internet became stronger and stronger around the world, it was also a way for photographers to disseminate their, their images very quickly. Um, then in 2014, Kamran was tragically kidnapped while covering the frontline fight against ISIS. Um, and I had spent years photographing the wars in Iraq and Syria, Libya, Afghanistan, and I had taken so many photographs of people grieving over their dead or their missing. And now I was one of those people. Um, and it, again, changed my perspective of photography again. I was much more, I realized much more of the people I had photographed over the years now that I had, you know, I was in their position. So looking at my, my book under every yard of sky, I see how my own experiences have changed my view of photography. I still love taking pictures, but photography is no longer about creating perfectly composed images full of visual layers. Like I used to, you know, dream of doing when I was young with my Leica slung over my shoulder and tracks stuffed in my pocket. You know, I strive for that. I want to create the most beautiful, layered, visually uh, engaging and complex images I can. But photography for me is about the human side uh, of the photograph. It's about the people in the picture. It's their lives. It's their joy. It's their pain. It's their everything. 
it's their story. It's not mine. So that's what photography means to me. Thank you, Sebastian, for your contribution this week. Um, another very heartfelt and very personal uh, insight into somebody's work. And I suppose also their the drive, that kind of personal drive. I so often speak about the need, or I suppose the need to recognise the importance of the personal in the work, in the photography... It's not something which kind of sits separate from life. And we spoke about this last week, about that fact of photography is not created in a vacuum. It is a reflection of the lives we lead from a personal perspective, as well as the lives and the stories that we try to tell. I suppose in a way, it, this idea of storytelling and this kind of idea of narrative keeps coming back week after week after week. And everybody kind of we hear from talking about what photography means to them uh, seems to go through this kind of process of change as well. That as we get older, our kind of engagement and our relationship with the medium both of those things um they do change that early spirit that early uh, quest for adventure that early kind of desire for the camera to be something that's going to allow us to travel probably away from our initial kind of where we grew up that was interesting there to hear sebastian talking about sort of doing the beat in manchester and yet being a new yorker I'm really interesting to talk to him in more detail about that kind of cultural change or perhaps the similarities he recognised. Anyway, that's a separate thing. But we are, we are getting back to that thing again that I spoke about a few weeks ago where actually everything now seems to be making some kind of a sense. And I think if you were if of the mind to do so, to go back and to listen to these podcasts um in a consecutive order perhaps a picture starts to develop which is really useful if you are struggling perhaps with your personal relationship with the medium with photography i do hear sometimes about people falling out of love with photography and in fact we have a, a contribution to the podcast coming up in a few months time which is exactly that and and i welcome that i welcome that as a as a discussion point but at the same time, I think really what photography forces us to do, whether we wish it to do or not, is it forces us to change. It forces us to reevaluate our relationship with the medium, what our expectation of the medium is. And perhaps and hopefully as we grow, not only that we sort of change from a, a personal perspective, but as Sebastian was saying there, you know, those technological developments a lot of those force us into places of perhaps discomfort or perhaps questioning when we don't maybe feel as if we want to question, but we have to question. Anyway, I think that's uh, quite a lot to be thinking about for um, this week. So maybe it's time to just finish off with uh, some words from this week's sponsors the Stuckist art movement, as I say, inspired by the musician and artist uh, based in the UK, Billy Childish. Here's another comment from the Stuckists. People are never sure if we are being ironic or not. We are not. We are coming from the heart. Take care. <laughs> 